welcome to a podcast from Hope Church Glasgow. For more about us, check out hopechurchglasgow.org. Well, hi, hi, and uh, thanks for tuning into this. Uh, I've, I've been off sick a couple of weeks, so we've had a bit of a pause in, in our podcasts. Um, today, uh, I'm kind of struggling with the title for this, but I'm going to go with this. It's coming alive in God as we come to the end of the pandemic, and with particular reference to us reforming the way we think about our connection to the body of Christ, and with particular reference to how we think about our own spiritual life and and things we can do to make sure we're fit and spiritually energised for this next season. Uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna dive in with some survey content or survey results that I've I've looked at. That I'm sort of skipping over. No, not skipping over. I'm I'm looking broad brush over a number of different surveys that have come out of the US, UK, and Europe that tell us a story about us as Christian believers. I'm assuming. You're a believer. If you're listening to this, you're interested in this, you may be in church, may not be in church um, at the moment. And don't worry about that just now. But let me let me just give you some information uh, and not all of it comfortable, most of it not comfortable. But we need to know where we are. Um, The survey done, I think, mostly in Germany of regularly surveyed a sample size of 4,600 believers, which is a big representative sample size, uh, sampling them at different points during the pandemic, which I know we're not fully out of yet, but we are, it seems like we're emerging and, and, and these surveys are telling us what's emerging from a Christian faith church perspective. So this sample size were uh, asked questions on a regular basis and in the first lockdown, which most of Western Europe had some sort of initial lockdown, probably except Sweden, um, the this group of people that were surveyed registered an uptick in their spirituality. Actually, it did them good. Um, then uh, time ticked on, and somewhere between August 2021 and November 2021, What came back in the survey was this, that 21%, actually just a bit over 21%, had given up on their faith. All right, let me just let that sink in. 21%, so a fifth of these believers, which probably, as it's a representative sample, would be true across the church, certainly in Germany, and could be more Western Europe. You know, it's it's some common cultural things going on here but let's just go with that 21 percent there the reason was waning connection to church because of lockdowns and social distancing yeah we've all been there uh and these lockdowns and social distancing severely affected people's ability to sustain their interest in their own faith interesting in the u.s uh April, May 2020, so even right early doors of the pandemic, surveys from the big Barna um, survey group, Christian survey group in America, was showing one in three practicing Christians gave up on their faith. And obviously, this is covering all 
bases, all Christian denominations, all types of that faith. Um, then in in the UK, the the yeah, Evangelical Alliance in the UK is registering similar kind of numbers. Well, you know, church numbers down about 30% or a bit more in the UK. So the story we're seeing here across the Western Christian world is uh, people losing their faith and certainly up to a third losing connection to church life. And the other thing that is emerging to this point is like these people are not just showing up in someone else's church. They're just at this point in time lost. And some of them have given up on their faith. Now, that could mean they're engaged in some kind of deconstructionism. It could be they've just kind of shrugged their shoulders in discouragement and just given up. We don't we don't know. This, these are broad brush, big picture things. But this is the world we're living in, dear, dear friend, dear believer. Uh, so if whatever your church is looking like at the moment... Um, whatever it's going through isn't just peculiar to it um and i think that's quite important and, and and what you're going through isn't just peculiar to you and i think that's quite important that we see the bigger picture and not just i don't know focus in on our local church and think oh it must have a problem no there's the the, the problem is pretty widespread across our nation and across western nations and it would be a big mistake that it's to think it's you have a problem or just your local church has a problem and if it got itself sorted out this would be fixed this is something we're all facing um and uh, the other thing that, that came out i'm just going to summarize some things here was there was a big uptake early on with uh, the streaming lots of churches faced with not being able to meet at all in those early lockdowns obviously went online streamed their sunday services and initially there was a big uptake of that probably in the first three six months maximum but that uptake fell off a cliff and so the fact that we were able to put services online didn't actually help people stay connected to church so consuming church from a screen in a passive way was not actually that productive in preventing what we've just outlined happening the churches that did the best were the ones that put energy into their small groups so what what you're seeing is in the end it was things that helped people have interaction with other fellow believers it may have been a zoom small group at least in that context, in a smaller context, they could interact with other believers, pray for one another, uh, you know, do Bible study. Their formats varied hugely, but that was a strength. And simply consuming church uh, on a video feed and a stream was not doing the business, as good as some of them were. Um, really, we're facing one of the greatest challenges uh, in the western churches face since the the two world wars and we're facing probably the the first season of actual severe trial in our comfortable western existence 
And if the outcome of that trial is it shakes 20 to 30% of people out of faith and maybe many a significant number of them out of faith and a significant number of out of church altogether, we've got some things to, to wrestle with here um, because it's not, it's not a happy place to be. Uh, you know, what happened to, to these folks? What happened to robust enduring faith in the face of trials and difficulty what happened to the bonds of love and affection and community that i'm sure many of them would have had with their church community but i've seen it happen some people that you talk to happily on a sunday or in a small group just disappear they don't even haven't even told people where they've gone it's very uncomfortable and very strange what's happened to, to them and their connection to others that they express love for What's happened to their passion for God? Is it still there? Is it on the back burner? Is it just died away completely? Uh, this this two years of trouble has severely shaken a large number of people, and it makes makes me think what what it it's not just a church thing here. This is what is what is the robustness of our faith? Where's where is that? And are, are we thinking? healthily about ourselves our view of church our view of faith or is there some things right at the core of who we are that we should wrestle with here uh, to see further breakthrough um, because if you are aware of the church in the wider world other than you know materialistic comfortable postmodern western church our troubles are fairly mild compared to what believers in many other places, e.g. China, Iran, are going through. And in many of those places, they've got severe difficulty, but they're thriving. Um, hmm. and, and really, it's making me say, hey, how can I help on a podcast so that me, you don't become a statistic we, we're not casualties or or if we're feeling that we're a bit of a casualty i mean i felt knackered in this you know lots of us are feeling disappointed exhausted um if you're buzzing for jesus go you um you know if you're wondering what's going on in your church if, if you're still a bit nervous you still need to shield not feeling out of the woods yet wherever you are at i want to help you uh come alive be alive uh, make progress because we're in a war if you hadn't noticed and at the minute we we have suffered some significant casualties and our mission and our commission is actually to be the ones that are changing our world not being changed by it so what can we do what's how can i help you how can we help one another not become a statistic uh, I, i'm going to touch on four areas today having kind of given you a big picture thing um, one is the realm of disconnection but which is disconnection from the church community church family and the need for connection two is not harboring offense or dealing dealing with offense three is engaging with vision and four is overcoming discouraged hearts so Number one and the big one is to be healthy, we need to be vitally connected to community of believers, but that may 
be that we need to rethink conceptually, sorry for the word, we need to rethink how we think about church. Um, because the evidence, it's really interesting, the evidence of these surveys now is showing us that some of these biblical truths we've banged around for years about being part of a body and not neglected to meet together, if you ignore them and don't practice them, you end up suffering and your faith suffers decline or even loss uh, to the point of giving up. So some of these biblical truths, these biblical principles work in the positive and in the negative. But a lot of people got discouraged about church, ask, well, yeah, doesn't the church need to change? Blah, 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 you know, uh, what I'm talking about. And I think that, sure, there's always room for change. But some of the solutions I'm hearing around leadership needs to change, oh, it needs to be smaller groups, tend to be, in my opinion, rearranging the deck chairs on the good old Titanic because they're not... They're, they're, they're dealing with um, external matters like structures and how big or how small without having a good think about what we actually think about church at its core. And I want to just say something about that because it's totally relevant to this uh, phenomena we're observing, which disconnection for many is leading to loss of faith life, of vibrancy. Um, and it's because we don't understand who we are and who the church is that we think we can get away with something that we just can't get away with. Uh, <clears throat> right, I'm, I'm circling around this. Let me let me let me grasp this a little bit better. I think you and I need to rethink church, but not in the superficial things about you know format of meetings and small or large groups or leadership structures and how you know all things that are important to talk about but if you just change them without grasping some fundamental things about the body of christ and about the mission of god we're gonna we could miss this and this is a great opportunity to not miss it and to have a bit of a rethink so here we go all the people in the world all the people in the world right now, all the people who are going to be in the world, are already embraced by God. He poured his love out on his enemies. He reconciled all things, all peoples to himself. Jesus died for the ungodly. He died for his enemies. He reconciled man to God, not God to man. He already did that. But not everybody accepts that. Not everybody sees that. Not everybody enjoys the benefit of the incredible mercy, grace and love poured out incessantly from above and expressed perfectly and beautifully in the way that Jesus died on the cross for every single one of us in order to bring us back to God and show us who God is really like. Full stop. The church is the expression on the earth of the true mission of God who is about recreating his family, which is why he's made this incredible provision. We're the ones who now believe the things I just said. We're the ones whose eyes have been opened to the wonder of our inclusion at his expense 
We're the ones who know that. We've responded to his heartbeat, to his mission to enfold all the people in the embrace of the Father, the Son, by the Spirit, and enfold them all in such a way that we know we are in by experience. We are encountering the love of God. We are constantly showered by his love and affection. And so out from that place of knowing we're enfolded together in the arms of the Father, celebrated by the Son, and moved on and engaged with the Holy Spirit, we then pour out what has been poured into us. We're here to continue the mission of God, which is to help people realize that he's brought them into his family and enjoy all the benefits of that, that he's poured himself out for them. So we pour ourselves out into them. Oh, now, it's wonderful stuff. But we need to jettison the idea that we are individuals like islands. I think if I want to choose an analogy or a, a picture that uh, expresses how most of us think about ourselves, we imagine ourselves as islands. I have my life and I build my relationship with other islands. So I have bridges and causeways to other islands and I'm responsible for keeping my bridges to build my bridges and keeping them functioning so I can have these things called relationships with other people who are islands somewhat a little distant from me and we include God in our picture so we have built and we feel responsible for building and maintaining a bridge to him uh, and and Often in our thinking, we are somewhat a little distant and we have to keep, you know, praying or doing stuff so that, 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 that we keep the passageway, the roadway clear between us and him. Um, so our life is exhausting because we have a lot of work to do to keep all these bridges clear, build them up. Uh, that makes it hard work. But also implicit in the suggestion is us as an island can exist on our own and we are we are actually looking to create self-sufficiency and believing that in some measure we are self-sufficient. So we could live without the other islands. It's just nicer to have them and probably better for us. But we are self-contained and, and we have most of what we need on our own that's actually not true all right that that is that is a false conception a false belief about the nature of life and about the nature of you particularly you as a believer in the body of christ because we've been joined we've been embraced we've been connected uh, viscerally and vitally to jesus and the Father by the Spirit in their heavenly dance, in their organic, life-breathing, joy-experiencing uh, reality. 
They're life. Jesus is life. God is life. He gives life. And we're joined to that life. And we are not separate from them. In fact, Jesus has joined us to his relationship with the Father and included us in. He doesn't need a bridge, but if, if he did, we're all on his bridge. He built it. He maintains it. He's included us in. And the point is that you're there with me and I'm there with you and all the others. We're, we're in this together and we're joined together in the embrace, in the arms of the Father, and we are organically joined. So I am not my own. I've been bought with a price, but I'm also not my own in the sense of my gift is your gift and I need the organic connection I have that I have with you in order to be healthy and you need your organic connection that you have with me it also in order to be healthy and as long as we have this stinking thinking of separation inside of us all of the structural things we may try and change to make things better i think will actually just mean we kind of reinvent what we had before in a different shape so let me try and say what i'm saying a different way uh, i'm married Teresa, my wife We've been married over 40 years. And, and just the other day, she just came up and, and uh, we were sitting in bed having a cup of coffee. And she said, you know what? We are one. And we are working out that oneness. And it was a revelatory moment. It's like we are one. We don't always feel one. We don't always express perfect unity express perfect relationship but that doesn't mean we're not one it means we're working out our oneness we're realizing our oneness we're processing it and making it a reality but we're not trying to earn our unity or develop it we've been given it and that's the same for the body of christ we've been included in jesus and we've been included in him who is in the father and the father is in you so you just John 17 expresses this really, really well. Our union is given and we're working it out. Our unity is given to us by Jesus and we're working it out. Our connection is given. We are part of the body of Christ. The body of Christ is not an analogy. It's a statement of a reality. It's a statement of a state of being, of a the truth of your being is that you are joined to other other members you are joined to cells and so if you take that analogy no sorry that reality further and say right i'm gonna i'm an arm and i'm gonna cut my arm off and place it 10 miles from the rest of the body that arm is not going to survive very long because it's utterly utterly dependent on the nutrients that flow from the rest of the body and the body that's left behind the one that does now not have an arm suffers deeply because it can't function as it used to function and all the contribution that the arm gave the rest of the body is lost so both lose out but ultimately the one the, the member that's removed is the one that fades and dies and loses its, its it loses its vital function I hope this is making sense. We need to stop thinking of ourselves as islands, stop thinking of ourselves as separate, and realize we are united 
together because we are united in Christ. And we need to realize we are vitally joined in a body. We're not like a body. We are the body of Christ. And we need one another. We need to value the interactive community. We need to value the speech and the words of one another. And we need them in our lives. Words of faith, words of encouragement. And this is why it says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 is expressing the practical need of meeting together, encouraging one another, that is there because of the spiritual reality we now live in, which is in union with Jesus and therefore in union with one another. I do hope this makes sense. But what we see in the surveys is when we violate this reality, we become unhealthy. The, the proof is out there. The proof is in my life. The proof can be seen in your own life. Um, I think that's enough. But I think we need to keep developing this idea that we are spiritually connected to one another in a vital union that flows from the vital reality of our union with Jesus and the Father by the Spirit. We are not self-sufficient islands. We're not able to make it on our own. And we need one another. We need one another's opinions. We need one another's gifts. We need one another's encouragement. We need one another's love. And the world around us needs to us to both model this reality because it's a reality they're included in but they don't realize it and we are here to help them realize it which is why Jesus says in John 17 that, that and prays for us to be one so that the world will know the benefit is this is the world knows and we pour out this reality into the world and we model this reality for a world that has already been provided for but doesn't know it yet until it meets us. Glory, glory, that's the mission of God, to re-establish his happy, wonderful, enfolded, embraced family. Uh, in order for this to happen, my second point, and hopefully briefer than that point, is that what I've seen happen in lockdown is the time of separation uh, has meant some people have done well at forgiving and some people not. So if you entered lockdown or entered the COVID season of pandemic with a fence in your heart towards a fellow believer, a church, a leadership, uh, some aspect of the body of Christ, and rather than seeing lockdown as an opportunity to to forgive and deal with any inner issues like that those things got fostered inside of us because there was no challenge to them and we didn't have to interact with those people that we were upset with and so we maybe just kind of got used to feeling that way about church people leaders whatever um that isolation has given some people the chance for that 
offense, to let that offense to grow inside them unchallenged. Um, you know, well done if you've processed that and you've had that and you've forgiven and you're free of that. But offense is the en- one of the enemy's greatest weapons and it's one of the things that separates us most easily. And, and we pull away from one another because we got offended by what somebody did or didn't do or said or didn't say. And some things are really painful and some things are really difficult. I understand that. But the opportunities for offence are vast because the imperfection of everybody is also vast. And that's true of you as well. And there's no perfect church, no perfect individual, because the treasure, the beauty that I've described or trying to wrestle with here of, our, of Jesus inside us and us inside him is in this thing called clay. We're still wrestling with our with our imperfections. And that requires us to be like the Lord and forgive as generously as generously as he's forgiven us from the heart and not harbour offence which leads to bitterness. And bitterness leads to personal discouragement, it leads to disillusionment and ultimately leads to loss of hope. There's a chain of emotional and spiritual outcomes that you can identify if unforgiveness is inside you or me and it's allowed to stay there. Disillusionment comes in, bitterness comes in, and this this whole sense of discouragement and loss of hope and therefore disconnection because you just feel weary, what's the point? That can be the fruit of unforgiveness in your life. And I want to challenge you today, forgive as generously and as beautifully and as powerfully as he has forgiven you and, 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 and exercise that forgiveness muscle. He'll help you. He lives inside you. He's brilliant at it. He's already forgiven you all your stuff. He's going to help you forgive other people all their stuff and let the barriers come down that are keeping you away from reconnecting to the body of Christ, that vital connection that you really, really need, as we've already talked about. Um, so forgive, that's number two. Number three, I think what long periods of being shut down and apart meant that we start to forget what we were here for. So my number three is it's really important to re-engage with vision for your life, your church community. Proverbs 29:18 is being worked out in front of my eyes where there is no vision, people perish. Believers are perishing because they've forgotten who they are, forgotten what they're to do, and forgotten what they're partnering with their fellow believers to do and how vital it is for the health of the earth, the health of their local community, the health of their city, the health of their nation, the health of their friends. Um, Let's lift our heads and our hearts to what he is doing, to what he's called us to do, and engage with it. You may be feeling weary, you may be feeling a bit busted up, but but actually he wants to heal you up. And often we get healed on the way. That would be my experience. As we re-engage with his purpose, the necessary healing starts to flow inside of us rather than waiting to feel all better before we do something. And actually the vision we have 
Um, to quote a Chris Vallotton quote, I think it is, is vision gives pain a purpose. It helps pull us through the painful spots because we see this, this uh, more beautiful, more preferred future that we are working together to bring about. We want to change our world. We want to re-engage with sharing our faith, praying for the sick, creating better communities, learning to thrive, uh, affecting our business community, bringing the, the joy of heaven, bringing kingdom, bringing righteousness into the world that we live. We're here for that. And we can do it better and more powerfully as we're part of a beautiful, thriving church community. So sign up for stuff again. Serve. Be the super keeny in your small group. Just, just kind of decide that you're not going to perish and you're going to re-engage re with the vision of God for your life and your church community and you're going to push forward and not fall back. And finally... Gosh, how long have we been going at this? You're still here after 32 minutes and 36 sessions. 36 sessions? 36 seconds. Finally, finally, my dear friend who's still, there's probably just one of you still listening. We did, we did re-engage with church, engage with church, rethink church. Uh, we did that. We did forgive so that you can re-engage. We did re-engage with vision. And finally, Speak and pray the truth. Declare the truth. Um, I, I found this really helpful. Uh, just started to get in a, play, a gloomy place. And, and, and some of it is this prolonged, it's not particularly good for our mental health or spiritual health, this whole prolonged season of constraints we've been in. And I need, I was just getting used to feeling a bit gloomy. And so God started to speak to me about the fact that he lived inside of me and he wanted to use my mouth to declare his truth and his reality, not how I was feeling about it. So I've got, I've dusted off my declarations based on promises he's made me, biblical statements about who I am and started to speak them out and started to change my personal atmosphere now sometimes it can feel a bit unreal because your feelings are a bit there and you start saying things that are like hey i'm a new creation you know, god is for me the love of the father is all over me but listen as you start to speak them they're true because christ is in you and your feelings and thought processes start to line up with the reality of christ in you rather than the reality of the the inferior reality of how you're feeling and what's happening around you. But I really want to commend that to you to sort of build yourself up in your faith. Another way to do that is speaking in tongues. Again, it's giving the Jesus in you a voice, using your tongue to shift your reality. Some of it can be with English words of prayer and declaration of faith. Some of it can be with building yourself up in your most holy faith, faith praying in the spirit like it says in Jude, speaking tongues more so that's my that's my final top tip for the day of my four and uh, it's been great that you stuck with it this long i hope it's ultimately encouraged you although the initial part was discouraging i want to i want to close with this what i am hearing is life is springing up um, the privilege of being in touch with lots of different churches. Uh, I'll just give you one quick example. 
a small church in the northeast of England just decided to share the love of Jesus with their neighbours. 11 people came to faith within a couple of weeks. Hearing those stories over and over. He's on the move. We can join in. I'm hearing of people getting healed. Amazing provision happening. Uh, we're not going to stay in this hole. So I encourage you, engage, forgive, speak and pray the truth. Engage with vision, engage with, with the body of Christ again. So God bless you. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you for listening. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, or search Hope Church Glasgow on your favourite podcast player.